0: Welcome to Across the Margin the Podcast. I am your host, Michael Shields. Across the Margin the Podcast is a proud member of the Osiris Media Group. Head over to OsirisPod.com. Check out all the podcasts they have going on and all their live events. That is OsirisPod.com. I am thrilled about today's episode as it features a living legend in my mind, a musician who I've been listening to and seeing in his many diverse and fascinating projects for many years now. And that is... Prolific percussionist, vibraphonist, bandleader, and vocalist Mike Dillon. How many artists have been praised as a punk rock provocateur, a jazz vibraphone visionary, and a percussion virtuoso? There's only one, and that is Mike Dillon. Whether through his affiliation with artists like Les Claypool Primus, Ricky Lee Jones, Dean Ween, and Annie DiFranco, in collaborations such as Nola Tet, Trois. The Dead Kenny G's, Critter's Buggin', or bands he has led, including Mike Dillon Band, Mike Dillon's New Orleans Punk Rock Percussion Consortium, Billy Goat, and Harry Ape's BMX. The Texas native has set his own standard for three decades now. Over this past decade, Mike Dillon has released a number of acclaimed albums, intertwining a range of influences from Zappa-esque eccentricity to fishbone punk funk, DC Gogo, ...to Milt Jackson-influenced vibraphone magistry. His latest project, a trio that goes by the name Punkadelic... ...which is the focus of this episode, features Brian Haas... ...known for the Jacob Fred Jazz Odyssey... ...on Fender Rhodes Piano, Bass Moog, and Melodica... ...and also Nikki Glaspie, who's played with Beyoncé in Nth Power... ...on drums, cymbals, and vocals. Their latest album, Inflorescence, is an expansive 10-track collection focused and fearless, representing a world where Duke Ellington and Augustus Pablo rub shoulders with Crate Digger Exotica, the freak funk of Parliament, and the anything-fits-outsider ethos of acid-fried punks like the Meat Puppets. And while you can hear the title track running behind me, I'd like to play a song by Punkadelic before we get into the interview with Mike Dillon. This is Pandas. Absolutely Love that track So in this episode, me and Mike discuss the genesis of Punkadelic And what's it like creating music with the phenomenal talents that are Brian Haas and Nikki Glaspie We discuss the botanical influence behind the album's title Life on the Road amid their current tour His forthcoming tour with Les Claypool and the Fearless Flying Frog Brigade and so much more Mike Dillon and Punkadelic's Inflorescence is available now. Check it out. We got it in the show links. It's an excellent album. And uh, I have no doubt you're going to enjoy this interview with Mike Dillon. Across.
1: Cross. 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 Cross the margin. Cross the margin. Cross the margin.
2: podcast hey
0: michael how are you good how are you good morning good
2: morning nice know, to uh, see you
0: nice. yeah absolutely thanks for joining i know you're you're just waking up right you're in colorado is that right yeah i've been up for about an hour i'm been okay. wired, coffee and no <laughs> so look out that's how i kick things off as well uh, it's it's an honor. I've been listening to your work for years on end, and and it's different varieties and different projects, so this is such a treat. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you. Um, I know we're here to talk about Punkadelic. I just wanted to say real quick, I loved Suitcase Man. That was really a really cool album. Uh, made me think of Tom Waits and a bunch of other cool singer-songwriters. That was real great. That's awesome. Yeah, I really love that record,
2: too, because it's something unlike anything I've ever done oh, in wait. my career. Yeah, I mean, I'm such a huge fan of Tom Waits and like mm-hmm. Elliott Smith and Nick Drake and like, and then working with singer songwriters like Ricky Lee Jones and Ani DeFranco, you know, and even like Mickey, you know, Dean Ween, you know, that dude's like at the heart of all his stuff. He's a songwriter. You know, he just Absolutely. Writes every yeah, day. No, definitely.
0: Those are some, of, I think, oh, uh, I like, you
2: know, what, I'm going to do what these guys can do with their guitar. I'm going to yeah. do with my marimba, Yeah, you know.
0: <laughs> so i love that i love that as the influence and stuff like that um so yeah let's do punkadelic let's get into it i, I want to talk about this album i love it it's really it's a wild wild ride um how'd that project come to life how'd that start
2: well yeah i released the trilogy suitcase man uh punk uh 1918 and shoot the moon all three okay. of those records came out in march of 2021 yep. my good friend brian Haas, who um was coming to Kansas City during the pandemic and we'd play shows out in people's patios and yeah. <laughs> whatever it takes. Yeah, you know, there were people that wanted music. And even yeah. like the Kansas City Museum mm-hmm. had me do a show outside. Awesome. Where they, you know, they had people like in twenty feet apart in little yeah. pods. You weren't allowed to leave your pod. Uh, but we would find ways to make music. And when the record came out, I was really surprised Kevin wanted to release all three records. So I was like, awesome. Well, I'll find, you know, we've been finding places all over the country that we you know, we're doing shows in their parking lot. You probably remember. Absolutely. And That's what got us through. Yeah. So we booked a tour and Brian came, we came over and we learned all the music and he and I started touring as a duo. And then somewhere along the way, we ran into Nikki Glaspie, like in Austin have, have you, know, you played, played
0: with, uh, with her before where you had you like had a relationship there before or you just kind of ran in that you know that's when your world well, yeah, she and
2: i've been friends of each other for for a long time i remember like back in like 2009 yeah. 2010 being at festivals and she would show up at my late night sets and be like i want to be in a punk rock band with you <laughs> so eventually you know because she wasn't nonstop busy, she came over and did some shows with us in New Orleans. Oh, cool. I know what it was. I did a show with one of my old bands out of Austin, the Harry Apes Butt Movement Experience, uh-huh. at the Far Out Lounge, which was doing shows outside. Yeah. And that was November of 2020. And she was there side stage. And I was like, what are you doing? And uh, we planned, you know, she came over to New Orleans. And next thing I know, we did a few tours throughout the rest of the year as things opened back up. And in the middle of those one of those tours, I remember saying to Brian and Nikki, we have to make a record. Yeah. This is really just natural. Uh, the energy was kinetic. And mm-hmm. those two guys had a band called Tefra Sound that I was a fan of. And it was with uh, this great cellist named Helen jalay Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it yeah. was based out in New Orleans, and I'd seen them play. So next thing I know, I I just had them playing my music, and we'd done a. And every time, on especially on the instrumental sections, they would just go to outer space and back. And I just let them do it. Because, like, what are you going to do with a wild horse? You're not going to, like, yeah. all right, okay. let's, let's walk through the French Quarter. Let it run. And you know, it's like, all right, these guys are intense. <laughs> I'm going to hold back my control addict tendencies a little bit and let them do their thing. And... And and I was like, let's do an instrumental record and let's make it a rock instrumental record.
0: Yeah. And- so that was like the sonic aim for it, like a rock instrumental and just go from there. Yeah. 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 Awesome. awesome. Any like influences? Because it's funny. I'm trying to think. I mean, it's such a unique beast and it's you know, it's it's got its own sound, but like, you know, I feel you know, these these jazz vibes of uh, you know, whatever, Miles and all the greats, and then you know, it, you can't help. And I see it in articles talking about it, Zappa keeps being invoked and you know, so so is that something that you kind of like? You're feeling and and inspired by. Yeah, definitely. Like with Brian, when we were writing the thing, because I decided to make it a
2: collaboration and not just all my music. Yeah, um, yeah. awesome. I, I was like, write, you know, something like if the Queens of the Stone Age was doing an instrumental, <laughs> like because it's with with creative musicians or or if you want to use the word jazz musician or whatever, the tendency is always to like be complicated. But you mentioned Miles Davis, I mean, like, you know, kind of blue was such a beautifully elegant record. But it at the, t- you know, got away from doing lots of changes. And uh, yeah, you know, went modal? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I just had like that simple guideline, like, let's try to make it a rock instrumental record where like, you know, it's not gonna just be all dudes in the room, or like, you know, uh, a soccer mom. Yeah, if someone's girlfriend is actually gonna want to listen to us play and not just be sitting there with their boyfriend going, Why did I agree what to is- come to this concert these guys <laughs> playing abstract free jazz? I hate improvisation. Yeah. Like like we're all improvisers. Like Brian Haas is one of the most creative musicians I've ever played with in my life. Yeah, no doubt. And so it, it, it was a matter of, I, I just think like having a simple concept and he mm-hmm. did a great job with everything he wrote. It was, you know, Paris, Desert Monsoon mm-hmm. and, and slowly but surely. And, and Homer and Debs was an older one of his uh, that we did uh. with Mila like oh, cool. the way we did it with nikki it was a more almost like a hip-hop groove mm-hmm. at parts mm-hmm. yeah so that was sort of the criteria and then a couple of my old ones you know mm-hmm. i've been writing rock instrumentals forever yeah 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 and, uh, you know like my new ones was inflorescence
0: yeah what's the, the title, title about I work in I one of the things I do I work in horticulture so I know the word well what does the word mean to you and why did it well, I...
2: it's funny my my wife Peregrine Honey had done a whole art installation uh-huh. at the Kansas City um at this like you know botanical garden yeah and they like took over the place and had all these amazing um models there and, and they, they they did a series of i forget what kind of photography for the whole thing uh-huh. but but it was really beautiful and she kept talking about the term inflorescent and i think that was part of her she used that in describing the installation they did yeah and i, I kept thinking of a title for the record and i just kept coming back to that mm-hmm. that term because i felt like we were blooming yep. if you will uh, as the group and coming up with our own vocabulary our own sound so i sort of made an analogy between that those kind yeah. of plants you know yeah. and what the kind of musical plants we were becoming
0: yeah i just went to a cool um like kind of like art piece music piece at the brooklyn uh botanical gardens where this composer richard uh, romanero he had in, like different um, musicians in each terrarium and you went in there. And it was a different soundscape, different, you know, instruments. And, you know, when I, mean, I was listening to the the track uh, in fluorescence, it really would have fit in that type of mold. There is something blooming there. There's something natural, even though the sound is you know, uh, it not so, you know, natural from the natural world type thing, but right. I don't know, it really pieced, it really fit there. Let me ask you about instruments. How many instruments are on this album? I, there's times where I'm not able to play, I'm not, I don't need a number, but like, it's like, it seems that there's times like, I'm like, what is that? What is that? Yeah, probably
2: a lot of the wood of that sound comes from my world because I was, uh you know, I play an electric vibraphone, but I run it through pedals and Tweak the sounds, and most of the time it ends up not even sounding like a vibraphone. Yeah, yeah. And then also I've been experimenting with the Prophet Six, Mm -hmm. which is you know that it's a remake of the Prophet Five that Dave Dave Smith, rest in peace, made, designed back in the seventies. So I was having fun with that and triggering that with a mallet cat. Uh And then there's marimba, a lot of marimba tracks with the woody sounds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then Brian is playing a a Moog synthesizer for the bass a sub fatty yeah. and he's really good at that and he has his roads that he's distorting and doing crazy stuff with and running through uh effects as
0: well yeah you really? had a beautiful, beautiful acoustic piano that we use mm-hmm. at parts too oh nice nice mm-hmm. it really all adds up to just this unique you know uh just driving soundscape too it's really it's powerful stuff most of the time and I, I noticed you um kind of a apocalypse daydream was on um um shoot the moon and then we got kind of like a reworking on this one apocalypse daydream which to me feels a little bit more charged or something what what was the idea behind the the rearranging of that the reimagining yeah like
2: apocalypse daydream on shoot the moon started off in the first few months of the pandemic Mm. just recording into this computer that i'm talking to Uh right now um and then I took it to the studio once my engineer, Chad, who Chad Mize, who we yeah. recorded this record with, and I've been mm-hmm. collaborating with for a long time now. Yep. I consider him like my co-producer on That's all this about stuff. he
0: works with you all the time, but right? that
2: yeah. was one of the, yeah, that was one of those songs that we started playing live. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, this is way different. I'm not going to use the word better, yeah, but yeah. you know, like on, on, on the, during the pandemic, we were getting people to send tracks from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And it was always great putting it together and going, wow, I would have never thought of that. Yeah, You know, because yeah. that's really a cool guitar part he sent me or a cool bass mm-hmm. part. Um, but in, I was like, wow, this is a good one to redo. Yeah. Same thing with Double Playground. Mm. Uh, those two just felt like, wow, we got to redo the, I think those were the two of mine we redid. Yeah, yeah. we redid those two. And Devil's Playground was completely different than the Dead Kenny Keys version uh-huh. that we recorded back in 2008. That's
0: my, that's my song on this album, that crescendo type vibe at the end when it all just builds, it, it just gets me. It's awesome.
2: Yeah, I love
0: that one too.
2: And, I, and, and it's funny because almost was like, no, I did a really cool version with Dead Kenny Keys. He was like, we got to do that song. I was okay, we can record it. But i don't know you know but that was the cool thing about doing a collaboration i had to like listen not just be the fucking the musical dictator be like oh y'all want to try that cool let's do it yep and and it's been really cool because nikki as the drummer is also in a weird way the musical director oh wow she's got well especially for this record she's just got the power dynamically to control things Uh uh-huh and live as well i mean it it, it it always goes back to the drummer and yeah. i got a lot of trust in her I, i'm not browbeating her yep i'm like do your thing yeah and she was like we would do two tracks on the record i'd be like yeah that's good she's like nope not good <laughs> enough and we do one more take you know like, do, do, after two takes i thought we had it yeah and
0: she was cool. right that's cool. I mean, that's like kind of giving over a little bit, and you can see the gifts of giving over and 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 giving up some control. Sometimes, you know, it's it's sometimes it gives back. I think that's the one thing that most people, as you get older, yeah, just realize, like,
2: man, I'm gonna die pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> What's the point of like
0: fighting so hard? Managing everything, yeah. Yeah, like, like, let's mm-hmm. let go. Oh, you got it. You got an opinion? Cool. Let's go with it. Yeah. And then you learn then- something. And you, you know? see, sometimes giving that over that trust really pays off. And like, man, maybe I should have been doing this more. <laughs> yeah,
2: maybe I should not have been such an asshole in my thirties.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you were. I love the work you put out in your thirties. Um, how's the, uh, like how's uh, the tour going? I mean, you you have a section of the tour where you're just uh, you guys are on your own. Then I know you're connecting with Marco and his band later on, right? But uh, how's it bringing like these songs to life on the road? You guys having a good time out there? Good it's been really great so
2: far i mean we just got off the jam cruise that was
0: spectacular how was that i haven't been on the boat it's a good time on the boat it was rowdy this year yes. people had
2: they, they it's usually five nights this year it was six nights uh and people went big but we had a, a really great punkadelic set oh cool and then um and we we've been playing the whole record down that's what we've been doing oh good so and even last night we opened for a little special out here in durango and we only had an hour set, but so we did. We did pretty much every re- song on the record, uh-huh. but uh, "Slippery Slope" because that would have
0: added another ten minutes. Yeah. So that's the, the thing. Did, if I, did, what's that? The one I'm gonna catch is is a, is a Marco show, like "White Eagle," "Jersey." That's you will get most of the record, though. Is that something you'd expect? That's the goal. Yeah. Hopefully,
2: we'll get a sixty-minute set and not a forty-five-minute set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My concept. For that tour, is going to be do the whole record down, yep. and then go right into like "Word from the Virus." Some of the you know, Kool Aid Man. Some of the punk rock stuff. Crazy. And it's a really good juxtaposition where you're like doing this instrumental record and then go bam right into the punk rock. And
0: you are like, <laughs> "That's been the reaction we've been getting." So it's been nice. Love it, love love that build up. Um, are you doing the, the thing with Les? Aren't you the? He's bringing back the Frog Brigade. Are you? Are you doing that? I'm the percussionist. That's yeah, I'm the that. Really yeah, I know. I did. I didn't know if he's bringing back those. So you guys are doing the whole Pink Floyd's Animals. Is that the the idea here? Yeah, I love you that did, record. Yeah, and I I wasn't a part of it uh,
2: when they did. it. You know, that's when he they recorded that the Live, Live Frogs Volume yeah. One and Two. Yeah, that was when he had Jeff Cominti in the band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, so I joined Les right when he started making the right when he was making the Purple. Onion records, yep. yep, and and he called that Les Claypool. I think that was under the Frog Brigade, and then I made subsequent um records on his solo records. Like yeah. he, he like he liked the sound of the vibraphone and the marimba. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. you know, I've been listening to Animals a lot late lately, and I'm I'm really just psyched to do that. Right. See yeah. what you know, because he always does. I just love the way he does covers in general. Always. They've always been like. I remember when we did like a Rush cover. I was going to say, his last thing was Rush. Spirit yeah. Radio. Yeah. You can find it online, but it was for the Rush uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, yeah. whatever, whatever they do in Canada. Yeah, not yeah, the U.S. Yeah. one, but it's like, the, I think it was the Canadian Singer-Songwriter Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And we played a weird version of Spirit of Radio. It's awesome. It was, it <laughs> was really, good.
0: so yeah, it's going to be fun. I want to ask you, this is like, when I, were you on Critter? Yeah, I know you did Critter's Bugging. Were you on this one? Were you on Host? Now, that's a remarkable record. That's probably my favorite Critters record. I just, and I, this is my jam. I love it, dude. M- mullet Cuts, like one of my, I think I might have listened to that more than anything I have in my entire life. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, that record still stands up. I tour with
2: yep. young musicians all the time. And yep. sometimes I'd be like, hey, check out this band I was in. I didn't play on that record. I didn't. That's <laughs> what I
0: thought. I was looking at the liner
2: notes. I didn't. I want to ask yeah. that. Yeah. But when they started touring on it, that's when they had got me in the band. Because cool. the percussionist, John Bush, a good friend of mine. I left the band, yep. and Matt Chamberlain, one of my best friends on the planet, called wow. me and was like, hey, dude, we got a new record. Yep. And I remember going out there because I was still fronting my band Billy Goat, and it's mainly the punk funk days. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was just like, what the hell is this music? This <laughs> is really, how do they make these forms? I didn't realize like, like their whole process. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting to learn that music. And then I realized, like, oh, I'm not the only one learning it. We're rehearsing yeah. ten hours a day because they're learning it too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it,
0: and that was the beginning of my critter's bugging life. You know? That's awesome. I had I had to ask. That stuff really gets me. Um I love I feel like this is the focus. Punkadelic's the focus right now, right? I mean, what else? You got anything else going? I just wanted to ask because I know you always you're always chuckling. There's always something. Yeah, there's I mean. We got,
2: the Brian and I have this group with James Singleton and the great mm-hmm. New Orleans drummer, Johnny Vodakovich, called Nola Tet, And yeah, like, yeah. that we play as much as we can with that band. A lot of it's dictated, but, you know, Johnny's in his 70s now and doesn't really want to jump in the van and schlep it around and load gear. Mm-hmm. But we just played an amazing New Orleans gig. And, and then in New Orleans, I've got a new band, which is basically sort of like, the new Orleans version of Punkadelic and sometimes Nikki and Haas play with it. Awesome. It's called the new fuck. Yes. <laughs> and that band, we just played mom's ball and had a blast with it. And then last night during the special set, mm-hmm. I started a band with those boys last summer when Punkadelic couldn't do a thing. Yep. And it's called fucking a, and that's with all them and me. And we've been, we did a tour of the Northeast and pretty much every show was sold out. And, then we played on the Jam Cruise as well, and we took over the middle of the set last night. So mm-hmm. I would say, you know, as far as touring my bands, it's just Punkadelic and uh, fucking awesome. A. And awesome. then, you know, I got Noah Ted, the new mm-hmm. Fuck jazz, and then Playpool World is always there. Yeah. You know, Bastard Jazz has been amazing. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. all improv. Yeah, where, oh, really. Yeah, it doesn't sound not, like it sometimes. It's two yeah. hours of just making shit up, and that's hard. I
0: bet it, it Really, it some some of it sounds some of those moments sound composed too. That's crazy. You're Just going for it, huh? Yeah, and you know, with someone like Scarec, I mean, he's such a you know. That's how
2: half those critters bugging songs were just stuff yeah. they composed on the moment, yep, and then made into songs yeah. afterwards. But so when you have a guy like him, and 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 of course, Les, the way Les plays bass. I mean, every time it seems like we, it's just a song that comes out of him. That's why I love his playing. He plays like a composer. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They sound like songs. Hey, so that's what I got uh, as far as for for, uh, questions. But I'm like telling you, this is such an honor. I really, I love your music. This album is great. It's like a really cool, different, unique power trio. And I can't wait to see you. I'll be seeing you in a couple of weeks. So I'm excited. So thank you. Yeah, thank you thank you michael I'm, I'm glad you're gonna be able
2: to come out to one of the shows because you know a lot of times even like that critters Bugging record you just mm-hmm. flashed me people don't get to hear see it live like the yeah. records great. that band what we were doing live for three years it's like touring with Modesky, martin wood uh-huh. Uh-huh. it was such a magical time it's like oh wow even for even for me like that band doesn't play anymore that band yeah. we didn't make a big deal going we're broken up
0: it's just everyone's gone separate ways and totally just doing different things know, no, I'm, just, I'm
2: glad you're gonna
0: yeah I don't, to want to miss, this. I don't want to miss this punkadelic moment I mean you, you me, all three of you you know kind of disperse and do different things and the fact that you're together doing this and the record's great I just it's time to check it out you know
2: yeah it's really awesome I mean you know we're the opening band so that means you're not making a lot of dough yeah <laughs> yeah it Was like I'm in this band I want
0: to do the tour I'm like yep. really all right. Well, fucking A. Come on. Let's do it. Oh, man. Mike, really great to meet you. Really great. I've got to you, spread Michael. the word. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it big time. I want to play one more from the album, real quick. We talked about this in the interview. It's a terrific track. This is called Devil's Playground.